thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. You know, this hope is here theme that we're going to be carrying now from from today right the way through um, into the new year is so important. You know, hope is here and hope has a name and that name is Jesus. And, you know, as we get to the end of 2020 with all that's gone on this year, you know, and I think our culture more than anything and our our people and our communities, our, our society needs hope more than it's ever needed it before. And you know, the one thing, or there's many things, the one thing that hasn't changed through the whole of this season is our mission. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. That's what we're about. We were about that pre-COVID. We're about it during COVID. We'll be about it long after COVID is a thing of history. And here's the thing. It's so important that you and I understand that this isn't just the mission of the church. This is the mission of us. This is our mission. If we've received the hope that Jesus is, because hope has a name and his name is Jesus, if we've received that, we surely cannot keep that to ourselves. We've got to share it with other people. Uh, and what I want to do uh, this evening is to, t- is, is to talk to you a little bit about the whole power of invitation. Because you might think, well, I can't invite people right now because the building's closed and we're in lockdown and all of that. Yes, you can. The church has never been as open as it is right now. You know, every year when we do our big Christmas production, we always think about how do we get everybody in? So we do four services or five services, and then we might get 1,500 or sometimes even 2,000 people in, this year it's limitless. It's limitless how many people we can reach with the good news that hope is here and hope has a name. And I want you to know guys, it won't be me and it won't be the musicians and it won't be the technicians that really uh, bring the message of hope to people this year. It will be you. Because every time one of us invites somebody from our world, we give them an opportunity to see and to understand a little bit more about who Jesus is. And what I want to do this evening is I want to talk to you about the power of invitation. You see, this is right through the New Testament. If you look in John 4, 29 to 30, this lady says, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. This is the woman at the well. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way towards him. That woman didn't know everything about Jesus, but she knew enough to share what she knew with somebody else. You see, it doesn't matter that you don't know everything. What's really important is that you share what you do know. That's so important. In in another story, um, uh, there was a man who Jesus healed of leprosy and, 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 and he told him not to tell anyone. Okay, so it says, don't tell anyone. But in Mark 1, verse 45, it says this. Instead, instead, this is instead of what Jesus told him, he went out and began to talk freely. See, this is what this is what Mark's doing. I don't mean Mark's gospel, I mean Mark Fenton. Mark's talking freely at work about what Jesus has done in his life. And he's looking at content and he's looking at opportunities and he's looking at things that he could say, do you know what? This is going to connect with that person in my world. He's talking freely, he's investing, he's sharing and he's inviting. And it says that this man was spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Guys, that's, I've never seen that before. I've just read it and I've never seen it before. There's a lot of people in lonely places right now. There's a lot of people in lonely places in our community. 
And that's the sense of loneliness is maybe going to be more acute this Christmas than ever before. As people have been saying, how do I get my three household bubble to work? And knowing that they're going to be leaving other people out. And yet Jesus can meet us in those lonely places. And maybe he will do it through you and I investing, sharing and inviting. You have a story to tell. You have something to share. You have hope that you can bring to someone else this season. And one of the best opportunities that we ever get pre-COVID, during COVID or post-COVID is still Christmas. Why is it such a great opportunity? Why do we put so much effort and energy into Christmas? I've often thought to myself, uh, why am I listening to Christmas songs in August? Do you know what I mean? Because I do, okay? In fact, I, I start listening to them in June and July sometimes. You know, why are we asking our incredible musicians to learn a whole bunch of new Christmas songs, which some of them are really challenging, that they maybe play once and that's it? Why do we put so much effort and energy into Christmas? Why do we think about how creative we can be in terms of impacting our communities? Why are we thinking about things like Operation Santa? Why are we producing 15,000 cards to put through people's doors? Why are we partnering with other organisations to meet practical needs? Well, we're doing it because Christmas gives us the best window we have in the year for people to look through to see who Jesus really is. And what I want to talk about in a few minutes tonight is what is the why behind the what? What is the why behind the what? So the what is Christmas and what we're going to do and all the different opportunities. And, and I'd really encourage you, and I'll show you the link in a minute, just to check all that out. But what's the why behind that? This is so important. And in Proverbs 18, it says a gift opens the way for the giver. A gift opens the way for the giver. In other words, in another translation, it says giving a gift can open doors. You know, if you've got the old school advent calendar, every day you open a door. And what the Bible says is giving a gift can open the door to something even better. And that's why Christmas is so important. Maybe you're already stressing out right now about what gifts to buy your beloved or your family or your friends. Uh, I have a list. If you'd like me to put the list on the chat of what I'd like for Christmas, then, then I can do that right now. But no, I can, I can sense some of you are shaking your heads. You're not interested. That's absolutely fine. Just buy me Frero Rocher and I'll be fine. Okay, but you know, on the big day, Often all the gifts that you and I have bought, sometimes we don't really know whether the receiver of the gift likes it or not. Do you know what I mean? That whole kind of feeling. And maybe if you've got young kids and, and you know, we haven't got young kids anymore, uh, but, but we've got a granddaughter, which is really exciting. And, you know, I reckon that the little kids, they often, they just rip the paper off and then they move the box, the gift aside and they look at the next one. But the, here's the reality. A gift can open the door for the giver. A gift can open the door for the giver. And that's, that's why this is so important. And what I want to do is I want to share something I've shared with you before. And this comes from Charlotte Scanlon, um, uh, who, who is from the Life Church, Scanlon Gamble um, in Bradford. And when I heard her say this a few years ago, it so resonated with me. I thought, that's why we do what we do. And she looked at the story, a very well-known story of Zacchaeus. And you find it in Luke chapter 19, verse 2 to 10. Let me just quickly read it to you and it'll come up on the screen. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, I love that little phrase. I just want to pause there. When Jesus reached the spot, 
You know, and I know that's a physical spot, but there's so much in our world right now, isn't there, where you just think, oh, only Jesus can reach that spot. Only Jesus can bring hope to that situation. Only Jesus can meet that need. And maybe even tonight as you're listening, there's something inside of you that's crying out for Jesus to reach that spot in your life. He can. He really can. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must, I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Here is someone who's receiving grace. He's receiving hope. And when he receives hope, he can't keep it to himself. He's got to do something. He's got to share. He's got to invest. He's got to invite. Jesus said to him, today, Salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. This guy heard a buzz on the street one day. Jesus was in town. He'd heard about him. He didn't really know him. He got there to take a look. In verse 13, it says he wanted to see who Jesus was. And I think, guys, most people, their problem isn't with Jesus. Their problem sometimes is with the church or their problem sometimes is they just don't know who Jesus really is and they want to see him, but they can't get to him. They can't get a good look of him. And for this man, it was two things were stopping him, his size and the size of the crowd. There were so many people, he was so short, he couldn't get to see Jesus. All he wanted was to get a a new look or a first look at who Jesus really is. And in that moment, it really hit me as I heard this talk and I heard what she said about this. That's why we do what we do at Christmas, because Christmas creates a buzz in every single town in our nation. And here's the thing. We, you see, Christmas provides the buzz. We have to provide the tree. Christmas provides the buzz. We have to provide the tree. And what we do, guys, is everything we do at Christmas is about providing a sycamore tree so that other people can get up that tree and have a little closer look at who Jesus is. And I don't know about you, but every single hamper that gets delivered to a family, every single food parcel that gets delivered to a family is going to have a message of hope from us in it. That's like a tree that enables a family to get a closer look at Jesus. Every single one of these cards that goes through a house, through a door, as they open that up, and I'm praying and we're praying for our neighbours, who we get on really well with, or in our street, that when they get this card from us, maybe they don't just think about us and the church, but maybe it gives them a new look at who Jesus really is. Every kid that gets maybe a gift under their tree, knowing that it's come from someone like you and someone like me, maybe that's a tree that gives a child and maybe a family an opportunity to take a closer look at who Jesus is. Guys, we can provide the tree, but you and I need to provide the invite. 
See, so when we invite people, it's like, here's the tree and we're allowing people and we're helping people and enabling people to go up that tree and take a closer look at who Jesus is. And here's what's really, really interesting. The tree enabled Zacchaeus to get a better look at who Jesus is. And the guys are going to put on the screen for you right now the link to our website page. And I'd really encourage you, maybe not now, but, but maybe after we finish tonight, just to take a really close look at all of the great opportunities. If you haven't yet signed up your street to these cards, why don't you go do that? We've ordered by faith another 5,000 cards, all right? So if you don't sign up tonight, our equippers are going to be hand delivering 5,000 cards. I'm just joking. I'm just joking, all right? Me and Alison. Alison will be delivering for now. Look, look, basically, you get the point. If you sign up, wouldn't that be amazing if another 5,000 homes were invited to get up that sycamore tree and take a closer look at Jesus? But here's the thing there's not just the online event on the 20th, that's our big evangelistic event, but there's a whole bunch of pre recorded content coming out over Christmas. Sam and the Next Gen team have done an amazing job with a family show called Jingle Jam. I've seen a bit of it. It is going to be stunning. We're doing a great Christmas Eve event for you. We're doing a great Christmas Day, a little 15 minute kind of Queen's or King's speech. Let me not just say that. And then January the 3rd will be pre-recorded content as well. And we are waiting on news from the local authority that we may, we may be doing something really big in the community as well. I only say may because it may not happen, but if it does, you will hear about it very, very soon. All of these are trees to give our community an opportunity to take a closer look at Jesus. But here's the thing. When he's at the tree, Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, I want you to come down. There was an invitation for a closer relationship with Jesus. I want to promise you this, guys. On December the 20th, when we've got our online uh, online experience. It goes out at 10 a.m., 4 in the afternoon and 7 p.m. That's like a sycamore tree that people can take a closer look at. But I promise you this, we will give every single person who watches that an opportunity to take an even closer look at who Jesus is. We will invite them to even come down and to take another step at looking at who Jesus really is. Guys, I want to say this is a brilliant, a brilliant opportunity for you and I to share our story, to share our testimony of what God has done in our life. Just like that woman, come see a man. He told me everything about my life. I don't know everything about him, but just because I don't know everything doesn't mean I won't share something of what I know to be true. So guys, I want to encourage you as we now go into a song and this song is a song we love here now in this church called My Testimony. Will you think about what God has done in your life and the hope that God has brought to you? And then will you think, who can you invest, share and invite this Christmas season? Because hope is here and hope has a name. His name is Jesus. So guys, let's worship as we share this song. And then Alison is going to come and share a little bit around Advent. And then we are going to take communion and pray together. I love that song. Isn't it brilliant? What a great thought that we've got a testimony to share. And that's uh, really brilliant that Leon's just talked about what God can do through us this Christmas. I just want to spend a little bit of time talking to you about perhaps what God could do in us as we prepare for Christmas as well. And uh, I don't know how you're getting on with your bubbles. 
how are you getting on with your Christmas preparations? It all feels a bit different this year, doesn't it? Instead of thinking about how you're going to cook the turkey or what presents you're going to buy, we're actually focusing much more on how can we work this so that we can spend some time with the people that we love. And uh, this whole issue of trying to figure out our bubbles has become so important. Every conversation I hear with people is about bubbles and how is this going to happen? So it's really, really at the forefront of our minds in some ways, the things that we can't do this Christmas. But there are still lots of things that we can do this Christmas. And that's what I'd like to just spend some time thinking about with you this evening. You know, it could be that Christmas may feel less meaningful because of the things we can't do. But perhaps there's the opportunity this year, when we've got the extra space that usually fills by socialising, to think about what God could do in us, in our lives this Christmas time. And, um, you know, God's an amazing creative God. Uh, he's done incredible things. He created the universe. He sent Jesus, you know, uh, his son in the form of a helpless, tiny little baby at Christmas. I think it's possible for God to do something incredible and creative in each of us, despite the fact that our circumstances are really limited, despite the fact that some of us feel as if Christmas is ruined. Maybe this could be the best Christmas yet. Who knows? And uh, one of the things that I really like to do uh, at Christmas in Advent, the period leading up to Christmas, is... I like to uh, kind of every year think about an Advent study that I can do every day. And the reason I do that is basically because I love Christmas and I can get a bit obsessed with it. I love the whole thing of, you know, planning menus and presents and just everything. So this is a discipline that I've kind of taught myself to do to keep myself grounded and not be so overexcited uh, by all of the other stuff that goes on. I do an Advent study. And um, one of the reasons that I do that is because it, it does keep me grateful and it keeps me focused on the real meaning of Christmas, which was the arrival of Jesus. And uh, as I was thinking about which study to do this year, I became aware that actually most of the studies that you can do leading up to Advent talk about waiting. And we've talked about waiting quite a lot recently, haven't we, in church? And we've been talking about it for months. We're waiting for one phase of lockdown to be over. We're waiting for another one to begin. We're waiting for a vaccine. We're waiting for life to return to some sense of normality. Maybe this Christmas we can learn something in the waiting. And it's such a a powerful theme. And most often when we think about waiting, when I think about waiting, it's probably in quite a childlike form. It's about waiting for presents, ripping off wrapping paper, uh, waiting for fun to happen. And this year it will be different. It will be quieter. It may even be spent alone. And that can sound like something really gloomy and really difficult. But actually, it has the potential to be something very creative in God's hands because God brought light into the darkest places and God hasn't changed. Our circumstance might have, but he hasn't. Presence aside, I wonder what you're expecting this year at Christmas. Is there something new that you could discover in your journey with Jesus? And um, I, one of the stories that I absolutely love um, it's kind of connected to the Christmas story. It actually happens 40 days 
after Jesus was born. And uh, this is the story when we follow what's happened to Mary and Joseph. They've had Jesus, he's born in very humble beginnings. And the requirement of the law is that 40 days after his birth, they need to take him to the temple. And they need to take him to the temple because it was the tradition of the time to offer a sacrifice to give thanks for God to God for the safe delivery of your firstborn son. Uh, we don't do that now. I guess the closest thing that we've got is a christening or maybe a dedication now. But in those days, they, they took the child to the temple and they usually, um, well, they always gave a sacrifice and usually it was a lamb. But if you were very poor, there was a concession that was made. You could, you could offer a sacrifice of two doves or maybe two pigeons. Doesn't sound like a great sacrifice, does it? A couple of pigeons just at the moment. I'm not sure we would think that was a great sacrifice, but if you were poor, this was the allowance that was made. And Mary and Joseph were so poor, that's exactly what they did. They took Jesus to the temple to present him to God and to make the sacrifice that they were required to do. And one of the most amazing things in their story happened when they went to the temple. And uh, I'm just gonna read it to you. It's found in Luke 2, verses 25 to 32. So you'll see the words come up on the screen. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. How amazing. What I want to know is how did Simeon know? Of all the people that were coming and going in the temple, all of the poor couples that were coming, how did he know? There was nothing to indicate that this was the saviour of the world. Simeon had no clue what he was looking for. He didn't know whether he was looking for a rich couple or a poor couple. He probably wasn't looking for a poor couple, if truth be told. Why would the saviour of the world be entrusted to a poor couple coming with a pair of pigeons? How would that happen? He didn't actually know that he was looking for a baby. He had no clue what he was seeking and what he was waiting for. And yet, he had been waiting faithfully for years and years and years. I wonder what he did while he was waiting. I wonder whether every couple that came through the door or every child that came through the door, he, he said to the Holy Spirit, is this it? Is this the child? Is this the one that you've promised? Every time just to hear the Holy Spirit whisper back, no, not this one, not this time. I wonder how many times he was disappointed but he didn't allow the disappointment to distract him. He kept his focus. And actually, I think he learned how to listen really closely to God as he waited. There was a relationship that built up between him and the Holy Spirit so that when Jesus arrived at that minute, some translations say, his spirit leapt within him. In other words, 
He just knew. He was so attuned to God's voice that he knew. How incredible that is. That despite the fact that he waited years, his joints began to ache, his shoulders became stooped, his hair became grey, his wrinkles got deeper. He waited and he waited, fully trusting that God would fulfil the promise that he had made. And it didn't matter how old he got, he waited patiently and he obeyed. And uh, I want you just to take a look at a picture that's coming up on the screen now. Um, look at this picture. I love this picture. I know it's an old fashioned oil painting and you might look at it in first glance and think, oh, well, that's just a pair of old fashioned grandparents being besotted with their grandchild. Um, you know, we're besotted with our grandchild, right? So you might just think that's why I'm showing you. But actually, that's not what this picture is. This picture is Simeon and Anna, who was a prophet who was in the temple, also waiting for the arrival of Jesus. This is the moment when they take Jesus in their arms, knowing that the promise that God had, had given to them so many years ago had actually become flesh, that it was fulfilled. This is when they took Jesus into their arms, knowing that God's promise was true and that he was going to do what he'd promised to do all those years ago. A longing fulfilled. And uh, you know, I wonder how many people missed it that day. The temple will have been busy. As far as we know, the only people who actually noticed that Jesus had arrived were Simeon and Anna. They were the only two with this kind of besotted grandparent look of adoration on their faces. They were the only two absolutely blown away by the fact that God had done what he had promised. No one else noticed the glory of Israel arrive. And I guess I'm wondering what we're waiting for this year. What are you waiting for? I know that there are lots of things that I'm waiting for in my life. And perhaps for you, as it is for me, there are some things that we will have to wait our whole lives for. In fact, some of us might have to wait for some of it until we see Jesus in heaven. But that doesn't have to be gloomy. It doesn't have to be wasted time because actually, we can learn how to wait in a way that doesn't make it tortuous, doesn't make it difficult, but can make it incredibly fruitful. Because we could learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit, couldn't we? We could develop our relationship with Jesus so that we hear even the closest, tiniest, quietest little whisper in our ear. And here's the thing. Simeon wasn't waiting to see what Jesus was do he was just waiting to see Jesus. In fact, he never got to see what Jesus did. You know, he's, he was only promised life as long as, um, a promised life to, to wait as long as seeing Jesus. He wasn't promised to see what happened because of Jesus. He never saw the fulfillment of any of the other scriptures. He never saw any miracles. He never saw um, walking on water. He never saw water into wine. He never saw Jesus raise the dead or heal the sick. He knew nothing of the crucifixion and certainly nothing about Jesus's resurrection. He never got to see how the story ended, but he absolutely got to see the beginning. And what a beginning that was. He actually was one of the few people to recognize the significance of what happened that day in the temple. He was one of the few people to hold baby Jesus in his arms. Imagine that, 
the fulfilment of scripture that everyone had been waiting for. I wonder if this Christmas we could focus more on the beginning than the end. If we could think more about learning to see Jesus right now, to connect with him right now in whatever way he wants to connect with us. Not to focus so much on perhaps what he's going to do for us, what promises he might fulfill, although I'm confident he will because that's what Jesus does. But actually, maybe this Christmas, maybe this Advent, as we start to prepare our hearts right now, we can start thinking about asking Jesus, help me develop a closer relationship with you. Jesus, would you help me to see you? Not to see what you're going to do for me, in me, through me, around me, but just to see you. Wouldn't that be great? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you for the gift of Jesus, the saviour of the world, the glory of Israel, packaged in a tiny baby, placed in a, in a home that was just nothing but poverty and love. And yet, Lord, you made that a place where we could find hope for the future where you placed light for the world for all eternity. God, we are so grateful. This Christmas, would you help us to focus not so much on seeing what Jesus can do for us, but on just seeing Jesus. God, open the, uh, the eyes of our heart. Open our ears to your voice, to that small whisper. And God, I pray by the time New Year comes, we will all be a step closer to knowing you and to knowing what you want to do in us even before what you're going to do through us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for all that we know you're going to do. We're eagerly anticipating Christmas morning. But as we wait, help us to listen. Because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.